thank you for your word today. And we just ask you today to guide and direct us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know there's people here today need to hear what you've got to say. And Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. You know, we've been talking about the old man and the new man. And you know, the old man is everything we inherited from Adam, our old creation. That pretty well covers everything. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, our old man was crucified with him. Now, that is a fact that we have to to settle. We were crucified. That's a fact. And so we see that in the Scripture. And so as we look at that, and we see in Galatians 2.20, says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by the life of another, Jesus Christ. We live by the faith of another. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. But we've been talking about what is this that I keep having problems with. If my old man is crucified, why do these thoughts all the time keep coming through my mind, tempting me to do anything that I do? And that's what Paul was saying. Romans 7, he said, it's no longer I, but it's sin in my members that's doing it. Sin in your members. See, your body has been trained. We've got a lot of scriptures that's, that has to do with that. Paul says what? Put off the old man which is corrupt with deceitful lust, put on the new man, which is renewed in the image of Christ and the righteous and true holiness. We have a right to put off. We have a right to put on. But what are we putting out, putting off? It's that old man in your members that's always bringing these thoughts to you to tempt you. James says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And so we see that lust in your members. And what is that? And this is one of the things we're going to talk about today. We've talked about this many times. It says we are to yield ourselves as those that are dead and your members yield yourselves as those that are alive and your members as instruments or weapons of righteousness. For you're, you're dead and you're a new man now. See, that's that new man. We talk a lot about old man and new man. In Romans 12 says, you know, we, we, we hadn't really looked at that, and we will talk about the members that we are now. We're members of the body of Christ. But we, we're going to pass that today because I think there's some people still need to hear, hear us. See, in Romans 6, 11, it tells us three things. The fact is that we were cru- crucified with Christ, right? And what was the purpose? What? That we, that's, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Isn't that what it says? That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we not serve sin. Right? And that's the reality. The result is what? So we can reckon ourselves to be new creatures. All of that takes place. A fact, the purpose, and what? God's result is that you're a new man in Christ. You're a new woman in Christ. So don't let sin, don't, don't go that way. Neither yield you your members. See, we talked about this last week. We have a responsibility to, to take authority over those thoughts that come into our, our mind. We talked about this a couple of weeks in, in pastor's meeting. And so I want, to, I want to talk about some of these things today about our mind. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2 because a lot of you struggling. Uh, well, all of us are struggling. But see, I knew something when I got into this. How many of you know we're just being enlightened a little as we go? First, I thought it was my old man still giving me trouble. Then I realized, no, if he's dead, he can't be giving me trouble. So then we find, no, it's sin in your members. You'll find that everywhere. Paul talked about it. But why now that sin's in my members, where that's coming from? Well, here's the thing the Lord showed me next. 
He says, your body is just a body. It has no ability to sin until something tells it to sin. Are you with me? There has to be a message sent to my body for it to sin. Well, where's that coming from? Your thoughts, your minds. You know, is that why Paul said, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ? How many thoughts? Every thought. And, you know, we talked about this last week, and we had a pastor get upset with me this week. He come in late. Uh, I'm going to see him this week. I'm going to rub it in. But I want you to know something. I want you to see something here. The natural mind's not subject to God, and neither can it be. Amen. But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. We have an Adamic seed, and we have the new seed. There's the old Adam, first Adam, the last Adam. There's the first man, the second man. There's not a third. And when I said this, I got a kind of a look at first. But you're not in the middle with your own thoughts. You know, we've been programmed this way to think, I'm here, the devil's here, God's here. And the devil made me do it. You'll not find one place in the scripture where you're your own. Jesus said to the Pharisees, they said what? We'd be Abraham's seed. He said, yeah, I know you're Abraham's seed. But you're of your father the devil, and the works of your father you'll do. For he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth. Your thoughts that you think are your thoughts, they're either God's thoughts or they're the devil's thoughts. Now, I want you to think about something. Well, all my thoughts are not demonic. They're not necessarily the devil. They're not necessarily God. But I want to tell you where his thoughts come from. The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. You can have a lot of good thoughts. That's really, there is a way that seems right to man. It really does seem right, but the, way to, but the end of that's death. All of your thoughts may not be bad. They can be good, but they're still from the wrong source. There's not a third source. You're either darkness or you're light. You're either saved or you're lost. There is no mixture. It's either old wine or it's new wine. It's either old cloth, it's new cloth. We can go on for a long time talking about it's one or the other. Black and white. How long halts you between three opinions? How many opinions? Two. And it's a seed problem. It's either Adamic or it's new creation. It's of God. It's either old man or it's new man. So a lot of your thoughts that you don't bring under captivity is what's promoting a lot of this lust in your flesh. He just sends a signal through. Now that word lust, remember we talked to, to you about it since 1939 in the lexicon. It's called the disease condition of the old soul. It's where all the desires, it's where all the longings come from. They come out of that old mind, old will, and old emotion. You know, I told you one time, I can put on the 60s music, start listening to that best music that was ever played in the 60s, and I feel something drawing me away back into places where I was when I was in high school. I start feeling things I used to feel when I was in high school. Are y'all out there? It's those desires that begin to pull you away. And you wonder why you're struggling with so many stuff going on in your life. It's because what? We're not bringing into captivity what? Every thought. Because the natural man cannot think the thoughts of God. It's not subject to God and never will be. That's why it's impossible 
to change the way of your thinking. There's only one answer to your thinking. It's exchange. Be not conformed to this world, but be you what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, listen to that, Pastor. Be transformed by the renewing. You've got to renew that old mind. Well, the word transformation really means what? You've got a worm and it becomes a butterfly. It's not a worm with wings on it. It's a new mind. And the word renew, you look it up, Kent, it'll take you to exchange. It's, ta- it's changing it from a natural to a supernatural thinking. God's not the author of change. He's the author of exchange. Second Corinthians, old things are passed away and what? All things have become new. And what does he say? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, as newborn babies, we've got to start growing. If you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You have a choice. For you're dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ comes, who is your life, you'll also appear with him. What's the word? Mortify. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. What does that mean? Put it to death. What? Put it to, who's going to do that? And you say, well, we do. Well, all right. Now, let's take it a little further. Romans eight thirteen says what? If you live after the flesh, you will die. But if ye, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So how are you going to mortify these members? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to help you put to death the deeds of the, of the body, you shall live. See, it's those members. It's sin in your members. Okay? Because your body is what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. Shall I take this body and be joined to a harlot, Paul said? God forbid. Whose body is this? So why should I give it permission to do that? Paul said, I bring my body under what? Subjection. Lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Who brought his body under subjection? Who has authority over your body right now? You do. You have a choice. You can say yes or you can say no. But it all starts right here. It's what you do with those thoughts. It's no sin for those thoughts to come into your mind. Jesus was tempted in every way like we are yet without sin. Pastor, are you saying he had thoughts like I have? Yes. Matter of fact, he had thoughts like all of us have. Yet without sin. It's no sin when those thoughts come in. The minute that thought comes in, you recognize its source. And you, you cast it away. You don't go there. It's no sin to be tempted. Every man is tempted. But you don't have to go there. See, once you realize the battle, and you don't have to, you don't have to go there anymore. You bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Romans chapter 2. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hmm. Where do I start? Verse 13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when the Gentiles say, That's me, which have not the law, by nature do those things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now you see what he's saying here? The Gentiles that don't have the law, 
But they have the law in their heart. How did that law get into your heart? We've talked about this I don't know how many times. God didn't say he's going to fix up your old heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, God said, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I'll take away the stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. And remember Jeremiah 24, what? Verse 7. What did he say? I will write my words in your heart. I will give you a heart to know me. What is that? And I'll put my laws in your heart. And you will do by nature the things that the law requires. Then what? Your conscience either and your thoughts either condemning you or accepting you. But they're still both coming through. But you know the discernment of the difference. You with me? Because which heart's it coming from? I wish we didn't have to deal with that old heart. But when he said, I'll take away that stony heart, I wish I'd have saw there where it was totally annihilated. But that's not what the Hebrew says. You know what it says? Remember I did this last week? I want to set it aside. I'm just going to set it aside. I want to set aside the old heart. And I'm going to give you a new heart. But how many of you know I can still hear that old heart at times like the Swiffer commercial? Baby, come back. (laughs) Are you out there? That's the way it works. Baby, come back. Or send roses to your address trying to pull you back. See, there's certain things trigger those emotions, those longings that's not from God. But see, we don't have to go there no more. That's not who I am. That's who I was. As many as are what? Led of the Spirit. They're the sons of God. We do not overcome sin by by going there and trying to resist sin. We oversin by becoming righteous. He made us the very righteous of God. You cannot get any more righteous than he's made you. Impossible. You can't add one thing to your righteousness. Amen? But see, that's what he's saying. Then the next verse says, In the the day when God shall judge the secrets of men's heart by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What is the secrets of men's heart? What he's saying there really is the secrets of men's heart. You know, one day the books will be opened. And every man will be judged according to his old heart. All he's done, good or bad. But another book is open, which is the book of life. And all those found in the book of life is not going to have to go through the judgment. But whatever measure does he have to judge then by good and evil, which was based on the law? Those that do not know Christ and his grace will be judged by what? The works, what they've done. See, there was two two things on that tree, good and evil. Choose good, remember? All that was written for man's sake so he could try to keep these things. But then he gives us another one. We don't have to do that anymore. Now I want you to look at something else with me. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12 says this. For the word of God is quick. Say word of God. What are we talking about? The word of God. The Bible. The word of God. The word of God is quick. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The word of God is able to separate the soul from the spirit. And a lot of Christians and pastors think there's no difference between your soul and their spirit. I got news for you. There is a difference. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. It is able to separate. The Word of God can separate. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And it says it is, a, look at this, of the joints and the marrow. It's able to separate. And is a discerner. What is that? Is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, how do I know when these thoughts come into my mind, whether one's of the devil or one's God? The Word of God can discern whether this is of God or of the devil. But if you don't have the Word of God in you, your discerner's a little dull. We're living in a generation where absolutely, I minister to so many people and pastors, I just want to be honest, most people are not reading the book. They're not reading the book. For what is it? It's the Word of God that's sharp and quick. quick. It is the Word of God that's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I was telling the guys, I heard Billy Graham. I didn't hear him, but somebody heard him say this. He said, they said, what would you do if you had it to do over? He said, I would spend less time preaching. I would spend more time studying the word and more time with my family. I was reading E.W. Kenya this week, and he heard D.L. Moody say this. If you had it to do over, Moody, what would you do different? He said, I would spend less time in prayer and more time in the word of God. So you can spend your whole days in prayer, praying to God and not have the word of God living in you. Jesus said what? When I come, I'm not going to judge you, he said to the Pharisees. In that day, the word that I have already spoken to you will judge you. See, right now, when you read this word, this word of God, what will it do? It will discern the thoughts and intents of your hearts. It'll tell you whether it's old man or it's new man. It'll tell you whether your motive is right or it's wrong. It'll show you why you're doing what you're doing. And he'll tell you whether it's wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. That's why when Satan said to Jesus what? If you be the son of God, make this, these stones bread. Jesus said what? Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I told the guys, Satan, how many of you know he knows this word better than we do? He's had a few years to, to know this word. And you know what he always does? He'll bring the word to you in just a little twisted form. And most of us, if we're not sharp enough to know what the word, we don't catch the twisting. But if he knows he can't twist it, he'll leave you alone. Because the next thing he said to Jesus, if you be the son of God, he set him up on a, a pinnacle. Cast yourself down, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And he says, it is written, Satan, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's right. See, so it's the based on this thing right here that we have in our possession. I was telling the guys, I heard a poll not too many years ago of, of evangelical churches. 80% of the churches, people in the evangelical churches believe this is the word of God. But about 80% of those people said, but what the word teaches, I don't practice in my life. It has little effect on the way I live my life. But you know, the only problem is we don't own our life anymore. 
2 Corinthians 5.14 says, We thus judge. The Holy Ghost is shed abroad in our hearts. And he says, Thus we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And if we all died, we're not to live our lives for ourselves anymore, but for him that died and rose again. Therefore, we don't know man after the flesh. Though we've known man after the flesh, yet henceforth we know him that way no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which is the ministry of exchange in the Greek. What's exchange? That's good news. It's not about trying to fix up who you were. It's about exchanging who you were for who you are. That's called good news. It's not about you doing anything. It's about you receiving and believing something. But it starts in here. As a man thinketh in his heart, what? Which heart we tapping into? That's my argument. You don't have to live. How many of you know that Jesus, God said, the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know? What? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's why he's got to do something more than fix it up. He's going to give us a new one. If you were a creator, would you want to fix up something old or would you want to do something new? How many of you know the new's better? And Bob, you're going to have a brand new body one of these days. We're going to be exchanged in a moment in the twinkling of an eye the last trumpet. For this corruptible body will be put off. And we're going to have an incorruptible body. Now this picture of the rapture, everybody's got all these bodies are gone. I don't know how that fits in the picture. But my Bible says flesh and bones will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. But I show you a mystery. We shall all be exchanged in a moment. This body is not going to go. Makes for good preaching. Makes for good, good things. But I believe there's going to be a lot of old bodies laying around somewhere that we don't need anymore. Huh? Because it's born of a what? What kind of seed? From the day you're born, your body is in a state of being corrupted. Right? It is. But you know what? If, it's, if you're living in this body, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it'll quicken and make alive your mortal body. Why? So you can get the job done. I believe it's time we start receiving the quickening of our mortal bodies. Because he said, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. I don't know, but Moses was 120 years old, and he says his sight was not abated, and neither his eyes dull of seeing or his ear. And his strength abated. He had just as much strength then as he did when he was young. That's under a bad covenant, the older covenant. We have a better covenant with better promises, right? So we've got to see that's where it's got to start. It's got to start in the way we think. Hallelujah. We've got to see this. You know that word, it says, uh, is a discerner. It's kritikos. It was used one time in the scriptures, one time. And that word means exposing, sifting, analyzing, and judging every thought. Let me say it again. He is a discerner. The word of God is a discerner. Criticos. Exposing, sifting, analyzing, and judging every thought and purpose of the heart. Depends on which heart, isn't it? Let me say it again. It's always exposing, 
sifting, analyzing, and judging every thought of what sort it is. Hebrews 5.14 says, But strong meat belong to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses. That word senses is organ of perception, exercise to discern both good and evil. Okay? We are to discern both good and evil. And there's a scripture in Malachi chapter 3. And I think it starts in verse 16. It says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and a book of remembrance was written for those that feared God and thought on his name. That did what? Thought on his name. And he said, They will be mine when I make up my jewels in those days, and I will spare them as a man spares his son in whom he delights. And then it goes on to say this. Then you shall return. That's repentance. And you shall discern to see, to see outside yourself between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. Did you catch that? You will be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. And the word of God in our lives is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And so that's why it's so important for us to let the word of God dwell in you what? Richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spirits, and songs, singing and making grace in your heart. See, in the last days, it says what? They're going to depart from the truth. They're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to turn away from the truth, and they want to be fed fables. I want to go to church every Sunday and feel good. I want you to tell me how, bad, how good my old man is. I want you to tell you that I'm, I'm okay, you're okay. It's here, saints. It's here. But the answer is not how good my old man feels. The answer is your old man's dead. But you've been exchanged to alive, and you're alive forevermore. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not to try to build you up and tell you how wonderful you are in your old man. It's for you to realize there ain't nothing good in your old man. Paul said, in my flesh dwells what? Some good things? No good thing. And those that be in the flesh cannot please God. But he goes on to say, but you're not in the flesh anymore. You're in the spirit. Every place he says something, he'll put you on the other side of who you, th- who you really are. And so that's why it's so important to you to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus said to the, to the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees, all those, they were sad, you see. Because of what they believed. He said, O generation of vipers. Now this was the spiritual ones. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. Did he say there was three things there? There's an evil heart. There's a good heart. There's not a third heart. And he says, you are of your father the devil. And the works of your father you'll do. Where's that coming from? You say, well, how do I know which heart I got? Well, I'll give you a little something you can kind of judge it. Your old heart is always thinking about yourself. Your whole heart's always selfish. It's always about you. I remember Steve Sampson, his little book, one of his books he wrote, he says, I was always on my mind. 
Okay? We laugh at that. But the old heart's always on its mind. I was always on my mind. You get a, a, an annual from, the, from the, your high school days. Who's the first person you look up and look at? Your friends? No, you. You get a picture. Who are you always looking for? You. That's that old man. He can't help it. Pastor, you're treading on thin ice. This is the first time in it I've ever tread on thin ice. But I want you to realize something. That's why Second Corinthians says what? Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So what do we do? Let the Word of God discern those thoughts. Those thoughts is either going to condemn you or they're going to excuse you. There's no other way. Let them exhort you on. Amen? I know this is stretchy. And we talked about this in Genesis. I'll, I'll quit on time. I've got plenty of stuff for <laughs> now. In Genesis chapter 3, when, when God came to Adam, after they had partook of the fruit, he saw the fruit to make one wise, and it was good to look at and good to eat, and he took it, and he said, the day thereof you'll die, and they did, spirit, soul, and body. And the first emotional reaction of their old dead soul was they were naked. And he hid himself because he was ashamed. And God said, Adam, where are you? And he, he says, I was afraid and I hid myself because I was naked. The Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. They weren't even sin conscious that they had anything to be ashamed of. But he says, I was naked. What was God's word to him? Who told you you were naked? Where did you get your information? I didn't tell you that. What was the other source? Satan. Where did you get your information? See, there was not a third source. There's either one source or the other source. You'll find that holds up through the whole scripture. You're getting your information from one place or the other. Yes. I'm not sweating. It's only 1053. He's from New Mexico. There's some more New Mexicans back there. I got another hour to preach, so just hang on. Who told you? You know, when Paul came to Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Verse 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of the world, not of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God hath before the world, ordained before the world to our glory. Then he says in verse 14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12? He said, A house divided against itself cannot what? Stand. Who is he that's not with me is against me. 
He that does not gather with me is scattered abroad. A house divided against itself cannot stand. You're either for me or you're against me. He didn't give you a third option, right? You know, I got a little note down here. If you haven't made a decision for Christ today, you've already made a decision for Satan. You don't have your own thoughts. You're either in one house or the other. There's only two houses. That's when they said, this fellow cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. He that's not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me is scattered abroad. Verse 30 said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known but its fruit. You only got two sources. And the key to, to being able to walk out of this stuff, you know, you, those, there was a book written, The Battle of the Mind. I'm telling you what, saints, the biggest problem you have in your life is right between your eyeballs. Right? But it's an exchange. You can't stop them birds from flying through, they say, but you don't let it build a nest in your hair. You have a right to run it off. And see, a lot of you have been struggling with, with a lot of the old man temptations and all that and saying, you know, somebody's got to help me with this. I'm telling you what, he's already helped you with it. All you've got to do is make the exchange of your old nature for your new nature and what? Live for the new man. It's a done deal. Now, one of the things I've told Ross that helped me when I first got saved. See, you gotta, your old mind is pretty bad. How many of you know our pretty, old mind is pretty bad? The minute the devil brings your past to you and shows you something that you've participated in and you have this picture in your mind, just the minute that picture comes into your mind, you replace that picture with something like Jesus hanging on the cross with his blood dripping down his hands. Every time that picture comes, you replace the picture. I want to tell you a little secret. It won't be long till that picture will not show up. I promise you. You exchange it. When he gives you a picture, you give him one back. Stay with me. Because, see, a lot of those thoughts come by pictures. But you replace that picture with this other picture. And I want to tell you what. He's going to mess with somebody else because he don't want to see that every time he comes to put a picture in your mind. Because, see, that old lust is trying to pull you away into, into something you don't need. Amen? Now, why did Paul, every church, he, he wrote to them about the problems all the rest of us have. Why did he do that? Because they're always having the same problems we're having. That's why he showed you how to get out of it. If ye through the Holy Ghost, what? Mortify the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. So the Holy Ghost is there to help you deal with these thoughts, see. But you responsible is to, to not allow those thoughts to be in your mind. You get rid of them as soon as possible. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, the deeds of the body. Mortify. Cast them off. Father, we thank you for your word today. 
Lord, we just ask you, help us to bring into captivity every thought. Bring into captivity. And Lord, as those pictures come, I ask you to help remind everyone that when that old gross picture pops back into the mind of something that was sown in their mind years ago, that you immediately have them to exchange that picture with with what you paid for. Lord, let them have their own little special picture. And I ask you, the Holy Spirit, give them their own special picture to exchange that picture with. And Father, I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. Um, well, I want you to do it. I'm feeling that, that Dorman needs to take us right now through um, exchanging right now. Don't, not to put it off, but do it now. Exchanging the mind. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. You ready? See, in the garden is where he paid the price for you to have a new mind. When he looked into that cup and he sweated, there were great drops of blood. He said, now is my soul exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. What part of him was sorrowful? He that knew no sin was being made sin. Every awful thought that you ever had, every awful thought that I ever had, every awful thing that was going through our mind was going through his mind. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this pass. It was more than he could bear. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he drank of that cup. And when he took that cup, he took all of our mind, will, and our emotion in that garden. Because Isaiah said what? It pleased God to crush him to make his soul an offering. When God saw the travail of his soul, he was satisfied. And because Jesus poured out his soul unto death in the garden, therefore we've been redeemed. So the problem's the mind. So I want to pray a little prayer, and then I'm just going to bind some spirits. Some of you are already yawning already, and I ain't even started. I know you're not sleepy. I will. Right. All right. Y'all ready? I'm going to be seated. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to the garden, and I'm not alone. You were there before me. When you looked in that cup, you saw my problems, all my junk, and you drank it for me so I don't have to. I come today, I come out of agreement with this old heart, this old mind, this old emotion. And I choose today to let the old pass away. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul, giving me a new mind, a new will, a new emotion. And I exchange it right now. I thank you, Lord Jesus. That my whole spirit, soul, and body is made perfect because you've done it for me. And I receive it right now by faith. And I thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name. Now, right now, I want to take authority over all the thoughts. The scripture says in Galatians chapter 4, it says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the woman, the bondwoman shall not have an inheritance with the children of promise. So I'm going to come against all this old thinking in Jesus' name. All these spirits that put these thoughts in your mind. I take authority over these thoughts right now in the name of Jesus. And I command every one of you unclean thoughts to leave these bodies right now. I take authority over you. The blood of Jesus covers everyone here. And we command you thoughts and intents of the heart to go now. 
We command this, this whole bondwoman and her son, the fruit of this thing, to go in Jesus' name. We take authority over it, and we command you to go in Jesus' name. Every one of you old, evil, adulterous hearts, every one of you unclean spirits that's in the heart, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. We take authority over every one of you devils. You have no place in this house, in this house of every person sitting here, their house. You have no place there. We cast out you bondwoman and the fruit of it, and we command you to go in Jesus' name. You will not be heirs with those of of promise in Jesus' name. We separate the old from the new today. We break the old from the new. We sever that relationship, and there is no place for you anymore in Jesus' name. So we command you to go in Jesus' name. Every one of you spirits, we command you to go. Just release them and tell them to go. I want to tell you something. Every one of you have have authority and power over your thought life. You have authority to choose what you let be there and what you don't let be there. There's not many things we have authority over, but God has not, he has left us with our will to choose. And he gives you the will of his will so you can choose. And I thank you, Lord, for setting us all free today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to have a big one one of these days. The 30th, we'll have a big one. I'm going to get a big list about this long, and we're not going to miss anything. All right, you're dismissed. Okay, bye.